Moore gives a refreshing and inspiring interview this episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. She's one of the few recruiters at Barkley in Kansas City, and they are up to big things. Kate is in charge of finding and hiring talent across all disciplines in advertising and public relations, which seems difficult to me, but she's the pro. This episode is candid. We open up about the job search process, from applying to negotiating starting salaries. I was so amazed by the percent of people that negotiate for a higher salary. She even gives us practical advice on how to do it successfully. Kate Moore cares about her role at Barclay, and you can tell in this episode as we dive into their excellent work, culture, and even what it's like to be a recruiter, which seems difficult, but it seems to be super fulfilling as well. So to connect with Kate and to see her recommended resources just for you, head over to our Instagram at EnteringAd. Tell her Breaking and Entering sent you when connecting. Now, on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast, and as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schalmer. Kick it, Mikey. All right, Kate Moore, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I've been so excited. I I don't know if you can get this about recruiters, but we love talking. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, our industry is super exciting, and talking about talent is, mm-hmm. you know, what revs us up. And so, I'm super excited that you asked me to be here, and pumped to to chat a little bit more today. Yes, yes, yes. It's gonna be awesome. So, you are a recruiter at Barclay, and do you specialize in creative brand? Where What are you looking at for talent wise? Yeah, good question. So I don't know how familiar you are with Barkley, but we are a full service integrated team, probably pretty similar from a specialty perspective that you do see at a lot of shops. So what that means is that we're hiring across the board, right? We need strategists as much as we need creatives, as much as we need social, as much as we need finance, we need all of the parts together. And I really love the way that our recruiting team actually supports everything. So we don't have any specialties. Hmm. Um, Our recruiting team is our director of recruiting, myself and another senior recruiter, and then our coordinator. And that's it. So we're a lean and mean team, which means we kind of get support across the board. But I actually really love that. Um, When I first kind of went into advertising, I think I had this mentality that I wanted to just be a creative recruiter, right? You see that title everywhere. Mm -hmm. I love working with creatives. I love looking at books, but there's kind of this cool power to get to be able to talk creative the same way that you can strategy, the same way that you can account. Mm -hmm. Uh, My time is busy because we're constantly getting new stuff to work on. So uh, yeah, I've recruited for all of it across the board and then also support more programming work at Barclay. So for us, that's things like our internship. Um, we have a great relationship with MAPE, which is the Multicultural mm-hmm. Advertising Internship Program for the four A's. And then we have a lot of new stuff coming up this year too. We're creating kind of a DIY portfolio school for BIPOC talent. We're doing a fellowship nice. for more senior talent. So a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you stay busy. I mean, that was not a lot of recruiters that you named off. And that's a pretty large agency. How large is Barclay in Kansas 
city? Yeah, so we are actually um, fun, you know, misconception about Kansas City is that we're based in Missouri, not Kansas. But mm -hmm. I forgive you for that because Taylor Swift made the same mistake when she was performing here. Yep. So it's fine. Yep. Um, so we actually have four offices. Our headquarters is here in KC, where I'm calling in from. We have a smaller office in uh, Denver, Colorado, mm -hmm. an office in Pittsburgh that specializes a little bit more within digital marketing and development, and then a small group of folks up in New York uh, that have some of our media leadership. So nice. all together, I think it's like 420 partners, um, which is awesome, like really solid mid-size, and I love that size for us. I like how you call it partners. Yeah, well, that really comes from us being independent. I oh, think that, that was my next question. Nice. Yeah, yeah there you go. I can read your mind. Yeah, <laughs> there you it's go. A huge, it's a huge part for us. I think from a work perspective, it means that we get to operate a lot more nimbly. We get to try new things a lot more. We get to bring the best idea for the client. But I really love what it means from a culture perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have a holding company that is is directing where we go and what we do we get to form a really close relationship with our leadership team you know i think in the last year the pandemic really came uh to light because we were able to support ourselves and really have this tight-knit support to get through it so yeah everyone that owns barkley works at barkley so we use partners instead of employees i love that I love that. You guys are like super creative too. I know I've seen a lot of great work, but what is some work right now that you guys have done recently that you're really proud of? Oh man, I love that question because, so I've been at Barclay for almost four years and okay. I have a recency bias. <laughs> so sure. I always Absolutely. like, I'll see something new and I'll be like, that's my favorite piece at Barclay. And then you give me three months and there's something else new. So mm -hmm. I think two of the most recent things that have really made me just excited for the work that's here. Um, we did this really cool work with, and I'm going to forget her last name, but Emily, um, who is in Schitt's Creek. I'm going to mm -hmm. look up her name and remind you later. Um, but we did this really cool piece for Delta Faucets, which is one of our clients. Okay. I remember when we won Delta, I was like, all right, sync. <laughs> like, someone told me why this is so exciting. Everyone was like, no, this is such a cool brand. They're very, like, forward thinking within this space. Um, they, there's a really cool community if you think about it, because it's a lot of DIYers and like home buyers and people sure. super passionate about it. Um, and we got to take advantage of something that was really missing in the last year, which was really these like showrooms and showcases that you would get to go to, um, to kind of see things like this. And we did this at home virtual one with right. awesome celebrity influencers. So it was really just kind of pivoting the way to think about what the space has been in the last year, uh, which is really what's resonated with the work that I've liked in the last year in terms of thinking through how are we connecting with consumers differently? How are we understanding like the gravity of the pandemic and what our brands can do differently? I think my favorite piece from last year was, you know, definitely our United We Move Planet Fitness work. So Planet Fitness, one of our largest brands, I'm one of the most immediately impacted <laughs> from a COVID perspective, right? Like yes. zero to a hundred gyms are closed across the country. It wasn't as easy as you know, like a Dairy Queen, for example, you can still go through drive through and get a blizzard. Mm -hmm. What was our gym client going to do? <laughs> yeah, so, so what they do. So we really got to pivot and think through, you know, how are we still going to connect with our fans and be champions of fitness? And so we created these 
at-home work in. Nice. And so it was more of this concept of bringing the fitness to people. And they were so fun, which I think is just a large vibe of Planet Fitness, right? They're not trying to be the scary orange theories of the world. They're trying to really make fitness for everyone. So it was these Facebook live sessions that were led by Planet Fitness trainers and by celebrities. There was one that was led by dogs. <laughs> there was mm-hmm. all of this content that we produced for the app. And what I think what was so cool about it was that like it didn't exist for that brand. And so there mm-hmm. was so much production and so much creative that had to just come out essentially overnight and to see the work that our teams put into that into the really beginning times of the pandemic where there was kind of this uncertainty about the industry and mm-hmm. actually about the world right? right so to see our teams like still put in the work and just right. make really great creative was super inspiring so there you go. Awesome. love that work yeah that seems really really interesting and uh I've always been an LA fitness guy, as you can tell by the shirt I'm wearing, but now I'm have to check out the Planet Fitness. I <laughs> there like you that. go. There you go. Um, awesome. So what are, what are we going to talk about this episode? I think we I want to dive into now how you broke into advertising. The, the name of our podcast is Breaking in a, Breaking and Entering. So how you broke yeah. in through creative recruiting or just in recruiting and advertising. And then let's talk about the meat of the episode probably is how do we get people into advertising how do we help them break in so let's start off with your story yeah. first how did you get where you're at today yeah absolutely i love this question because it has some twists and turns so mm-hmm. um i actually when i was oh maybe a sophomore or a junior in high school um was a part of this really large like experiential pr campaign for a certain client it would take me a long time to get into the specifics of it but Long story short, I kind of got to see what advertising and PR looked like. And I was 16 and I was so impressionable. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I remember speaking to someone who was an assistant account executive at the time, like the most junior person on the campaign. And she was like, you need to go to school for advertising. That's how I got here. Here's what you need to do. And this random woman told me, you need to go to the University of Missouri. They have the best journalism school in the country. And so again, they, they are good. They are good. 16 year old me was like, all right, mom, dad, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to Mizzou. Um, That's great. It was four hours for me. It wasn't like a crazy um, thing to convince my parents on. But I was one of those people that went to school, knew what I was going to do. I wanted to go into account, um, you know, within creative or within advertising. Mm-hmm. They tell you all the time in, uh, you know, summer orientation that, oh, the average person like changes their major three times. And I was like, wow, must suck to be those people. Like mm-hmm. I've got it all figured out. And I think I, I made it through two years of <laughs> school. And my junior year, I was taking an HR class as like a business collective, mm-hmm. totally randomly. and came across the process of recruiting. And for me, it, it was a lightful moment because it was this same concept of what drew me to account management about building relationships, spot opportunities, being that support line, being an advocate for like two groups of people. And I was like, this is it. I want to, I want to be in recruiting, but I love what I've learned so far about advertising. I want to be a recruiter in an advertising agency. And again, naive, senior college Kate like 
just assumed that was going to work out and <laughs> you just decide what you're going to do and you do it. Um, it's a very niche field. You know, I mentioned like our team is only four people. I know mm -hmm. there's, there's larger and smaller recruiting teams at agencies, but it's not obviously the size of the creative or the brand or the strategy teams. So no. the opportunity wasn't really there when I graduated and I, you know, it was still important that I got a job and paid the bills. I sure. uh, paid for myself to go to college. So I didn't really have the luxury of wow sitting around to see what happened. So I worked in really corporate HR when I first graduated. And how was it, that? It was a learning experience, you know, yep, yep. <laughs> um, it, you really do. I think there's certain opportunities that you get thrown in and getting thrown in is great because you, you get to swim as you go. Mm -hmm. And there was so much basis and, and generalist work about HR that I got to learn. But at the end of it, you know, well, one, I had to like fire people, which if you just from this 10 minutes of talking with me can imagine, I'm really poor at mm -hmm. I was the positive side of HR. But yeah. I remember at my, my last job for Barkley, I had a lot of different ideas on how we should staff differently and look at our talent model differently and attract people to our employer. And it was always met with this, well, you know, corporate says this is what we have to do. Like mm -hmm. our structure, how we do things, we can't really try things new here. Sorry, and that was such a dissonance in my brain growing up and learning into advertising because I wanted to be this idea person, and I was like, well, there's ideas here, there is creativity here. I know it's not you know copyright in our direction, but you can find creative opportunities in every avenue, and I was really met with that tension that I wasn't able to have that there, and so I kind of like had this internal decision that I was done with and I wanted to go and really chase what I wanted when I graduated, um, which I give this advice to people all the time. I reached out to the agencies that I admired in the area, again, none of which were hiring recruiters. It was not mm -hmm. a very common thing to hire. Um, reached out to everyone and said, Bye. you know, it wasn't a blanket email. It was specifics about what stood out to me about that company. Um, you know, I know that you're not hiring for any recruiting roles right now, but this is really where I see myself learning. If you're open to an informational interview or a job shadow or just connecting, I'd love to do that. Um, and then maybe a month later, I got a job at Berkeley. And I don't think it was because of that. I okay. don't think the only way you get a job is by, you know, networking. I think it's an incredibly important part of the process, but it's a cherry on top to be able to get to talk to someone and get to experience a little bit more about if you do have this ideal of what your dream job is, getting to confirm that and getting to shadow and getting to have an informational interview. Um, and I started at Barclay almost four years ago and had grown so much in my time here, have learned so much more about the industry. I think one of my favorite challenges is when I get to recruit for something that goes really out of my wheelhouse. Um, you know, data analytics, development, it's not something that my brain necessarily makes sense of. And so to get that challenge of really understanding the meat of the role, how I can be a partner to the hiring team, that's such a cool challenge for me. And then, you know, just thinking through how our talent market has evolved too. You know, our roles are not as simple as we have a job and we fill it. I would say that's 50 to 70 percent of my role mm -hmm. and there's so much more as we think about just talent as a larger strategy so mm -hmm. that's my story and how i ended up 
where I'm at. Um, and it's been awesome. I feel like three and a half, four years is um, a kind of like senior tenure in our industry. Sure, yeah. But I love it because, you know, so much has changed. Barkley has grown so much. Like this is a different Barkley in, in really good ways from when I started. Um, and that's, that's what's kept me really excited is that, you know, we're not unwilling to change and to evolve and to adapt and to grow. So I get to grow with the company, which has been awesome. I love it. When you, uh, you, when you reached out, um, hold on, trains coming, Chicago <laughs> trains. Um, when you reached out on LinkedIn, like you, so you, what was your message and how many people did you reach out to and how many people did you hear from? Yeah. I mean, I could probably find the first email that I reached out to you, which is hilarious. I'm, I'm like really toxic. I don't delete or organize my emails. They're oh, just yeah. red or they're red and it makes sense in my brain. There's other yeah. people that are like, the F is wrong with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I think it was it, kind of that, that formula that I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, really in terms of specifics of what stood out to a company for me. Um, and that's something that I give, and we can kind of talk about the interview process here too, but mm -hmm. that's one of my biggest tips I give junior talent is, you know, we can see through if things are blanket messages, oh, <laughs> if, yeah. they're, if they're sent through to every person you and send the wrong name too. I've done that. Yeah, it's happened to me many times. That's I've had awesome. a letter addressed to the wrong company, like mm -hmm. copy and paste. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's worth the pre-work, not only for us, for you to be able to articulate why you're excited about a certain opportunity, but it's worth the pre-work for you. Um, Absolutely. You know, being able to really understand what you're interviewing for and, and to get excited about it and to do that due diligence for yourself, because I think we always forget it's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. Um, I didn't reach out to every single possible agency because again, that blanket methodology didn't work out for me. No, I was, I was in a good position. I was employed, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't, you know, and I'll check some of my privilege there that I was getting paid. So I didn't need to find something right. today. Um, but it allowed me to be a lot more conscious with my search and kind of mm -hmm. narrow it down to three or four companies that I was really company crushing on at the time, if you will. Sure. And I think even the companies that, again, like didn't have opens or, or opportunities at the time, we're always open to connecting. Um, we're always open to hopping on the phone and, and talking a little bit more about what their teams looked like. So that's something that I always encourage folks to. I, I think we forget how much people want to help each other in this industry. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's this podcast is such a great example of that. Like, you will be surprised the amount of times people will put in the work to share information and resources with you and hop on the phone with you, get a virtual coffee with you. It can go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. People are really helpful. If they have the time, you know, sometimes people are busy. So that yeah. that's mended by a follow-up, which is crazy to some people, maybe two follow-ups. Um, but it's definitely worth it when you put that work in. Rather than, you know, you can spend the same amount of time doing those blanket emails, do a long email list of different agencies and you're spending, that's still a lot of time you're spending. So yeah. it's better to pick three or four agencies that you really want to work for and put in yeah. that same amount of time and just work harder and reach out, customize it, make it real. Right. Send well, those something, out. something that I've seen recently that I really love is folks not even directly reaching out to me, um, but they'll reach out to... They'll, they'll use their networks, right? They'll reach out to a strategist mm -hmm. that's in the position that they want. Of course. They'll reach out to someone who graduated from the university two years before they did mm -hmm. um, and, and have informational conversations that way. So by the time they reach out to me, they might say, 
hi, Kate, like I've been a huge fan of Barclay's work because of XYZ. I actually reached out to Gino and we had a great conversation about XYZ, like would love to stay connected about, you know, this opportunity, this job you have posted on your website, all of that stuff. I know it, it is, it is kind of this different mentality of thinking through more agencies, less work or less agencies, more work. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, I think that's better for you because you end up in a position where you're more connected with the work and the purpose and the mission and the values of wherever you're reaching out to. That's great advice there. Um, wow. So what are some of the things that really impressed you when you're interviewing people? Like what can we take away from this podcast to really better our chances of probably getting that first interview It's getting there. It's the hardest part. What I always, it was in the mentality, just get the first interview, get the first call. And then the, my, my confidence should be able to take me farther, <laughs> but it was always getting there. Yeah. Getting there was the hardest part. So how do you get to that first interview or that first phone screen? Yeah, absolutely. When you're right, I think that is such an important part of it, especially if you are in the like recent grad or the mm -hmm. internship phase where it, where it feels like all you're doing is waiting for that first interview. It can get it can get draining and it's it's not the best for your mental health if you're no. sitting there and waiting for something to manifest. So it's hurry up and wait. I totally get that, you know, when that's magnified in an example like that, it it is a stressful process. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think ways to stand out and kind of get in that first step. I almost even like hesitate to use the word stand out because what I don't want to imply is that people get jobs based on who they know, people get jobs based on how funny they are. Like there's so much about you and your story that I want to encourage you to show. So something that, you know, we always tell junior talent is you can show your work even if you're not a creative. Mm. And I, I think that is sometimes shared in schools that have like a really robust mini agency structure, right? Where you have projects where there's, an account person, a strategist, a company, an art director, and they kind of both work together on a project. Let's acknowledge that not every school has that structure, right? And so if you are wanting to become a strategist, wanting to go into account management, you don't have like a campaign or an idea that you can show, what can you add to your resume? Um, it's things like writing samples, you know, it's things like um, side projects that you have. Maybe there is a group project that showed that you were really good at research or that you, uh, you know, worked on your public communication skills. Show that off. Um, I think, you know, every applicant tracking system allows you to attach things to your resume. So that's a good way to kind of add on. Um, I, I think there's a Ooh, lot of, I like that. yeah, it's, it's just one other step you can do. Um, I think cover letters are super controversial in our industry. Ooh, what's your take on them? So here's my take. Um, again, I don't think a person should ever get a job based on a piece of paper. Um, I like that. I think, like, I think it's an outdated concept that sure. we we expect this or, you know, that you're taught in school, like you're not going to get a job if you don't get a cover letter. Sure. But I do think cover letters are really great for are just an avenue to tell your story. Um, if you're a creative and you have a portfolio, your About Me page might kind of target some of that. Yeah. But let's say that you are an accounting major who has this really creative side and, and is applying for an internship that maybe your resume doesn't tell the full story of what you're interested in and why, 
use the cover letter for that. Nice. Right. Yep. Maybe there's a very, like I, we just hired this really great new um, associate media buyer on our team. So just graduated May, 2021. And one of the first things that she talked about, um, so either in her cover letter, it might've been in our first interview, but I think it was on her cover letter was her like meet cute with Barkley, which was so funny. She um, isn't from Kansas city, was like visiting here and saw the big rocket on top of our building and asked our Uber driver what that was. And he said, oh, you know, it's one of the big agencies here. And she went back to school and was like, that's a place I want to continue researching. Like it just stood out in my brain and then was able to keep up with our work from her sophomore year to senior year. And so wow. to kind of have that avenue to tell some of those stories is a great thing. Um, cover letters are just a huge waste of your time if it's that like formulaic thing that our six-year-old professors taught us of regurgitating mm -hmm. your bullet points on your resume and like using that language that is so not you. So I always encourage, you know, in order to get to that first interview, take advantage of being able to tell your story. Um, and again, I, I think networking is important and I, I want to caveat it as more of a networking for you. Um, you, you are not, you hopefully shouldn't only get a job based on who you know. Um, I think our industry can get really guarded and homogenous when we treat it that way. Yep. And I think we, we all have a larger call to action to not do that. I actively don't do that as a recruiter, but I do think, again, reaching out to people that have the dream job you want, getting to understand more of, let's talk about Barclays specifically, right? If you're reaching out to a strategist at Barclay and getting to know more about Barclays thinking on whole brands and our red thread, which is our concept of kind of this large idea that's running through brands, it's just going to help you feel more confident in interviews. It's going to help you like be able to articulate that better in your application, uh, things like that. So that's something I think that's really helpful too. And then again, I think I kind of hammered this point in and maybe this isn't something that necessarily helps you get a screen, but I do think it's going to help you apply to the right places is really the pre-work that you have to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean that to take some of the work off our plate, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done on your side before you apply for a job and before you apply for a job well, and before you nail that first phone interview, okay. Otherwise, well, it's not going to go well. What should, what, what's the checklist then? What yeah. do we need to know? So, so for me, I think it's a couple things. I think, you know, one, it's, researching the company, the work, the values, the people that are in the, the roles and the team that you might be looking for. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things is when I'm talking to someone and they, they have sharp questions based on things they saw or, you know, values that they are connected to about a certain company. If you go into an application blind, if you go into a phone screen blind, you're not doing yourself the duty of applying to the right places. So one, do your research. Mm -hmm. um, two, I think practice is so important. And I don't only mean like practice in terms of interviewing practice. That's obviously huge. I'm sure every recruiter will tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google situational based interview questions, interview with your friends, all that good stuff. Um, but really being able to articulate um, quickly and, and efficiently your background, your strengths, your unique passions, and really what you're looking for. I think there's, and I'm, I think that Gen Z is very different in this way, but when I graduated, it was still very much the mentality of you graduate and like, you'll be lucky to get a job. And like, mm. it, you take the job you get, right? Like you are, you are vying for the company's attention. And I like that that balance has shifted a little bit. 
So I want you to tell me, even as a junior, even if I'm talking to you March of your senior year, tell me what you want. You know, tell me what's important to you in terms of the team balance that you want to work in, the type of work that you want to be doing. And don't let the first time you think of that be when a recruiter asks you. So do the pre-work internally on yourself to know what you really want. And also this is a logistic one, but I think it, it happens so often with junior talent. Know your requirements on location, on timing, on salary. It's frustrating as a recruiter to ask that in a first interview and to get a response of, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, okay. Well, you, you should, gotten that? You should, oh, all the time. All of the time. All of the time. Wait, what are the questions again? I think just the logistic aspects, right? Oh, okay. So I think of timing and salary and location as some those of the are like the easiest yeah. ones. I feel like you should know those. That's great. But I'm glad that you think that because yeah. I don't run into that often <laughs> with junior mm-hmm. talent. I think we, we, it kind of seems like this scary real thing after internships and after school. So. Oh, wait, what about salary question? Like for what, what's too high, what's too low or what, how do you pick that number? That's scary to me. It's like, yeah. well, I want a lot. I want a hundred thousand dollars. Like I'm not going to get that, but I want that. I think we all do. So I think, (laughs) I think there's a lot of really great resources out there. First, do your research. Um, one check with your school. Um, some schools have like alumni networks that share salaries. Um, some schools provide check that it's not, you know, something from 2002, right. Mm -hmm. But some schools provide like salary bands. Glassdoor is an okay place to start, but it's such a varied number and it's a self-selected number. So it isn't always the most accurate. Um, I don't really like Glassdoor at all. Yeah, it's, I have opinions on it as a recruiter. (laughs) Um, And then you'll always see, like, if you stay up to date in things like Adweek, um, things like Year Next, which is a resource specifically Mm -hmm. targeted towards junior talent, they'll post things like, you know, there's an anonymous Google sheet going around where advertising professionals are submitting their salaries or, you know, here's where your ranges are, things like that. So do your research. And I always suggest to, um, to, to be transparent and to be honest. So if you have a range, let's say you graduate and you're targeting 45 to 55,000 for an assistant account executive role. Cool. Mm-hmm. Great. If during the interview process, your expectations change, or you, you know, want to negotiate for a higher number, or you think that you're worth a higher number, that's what recruiters are there for. We prefer the transparent conversations. I think we'd Mm -hmm. rather be what you might think is awkward in terms of having those tough conversations. Like we do that every day. Um, And so be sure to be transparent with your recruiter on all of those pieces there. Because the worst thing is like, if you were to get to the full interview process and you get an offer and it feels like one of those things, timing, salary, location, like doesn't match up with what you expected. And sometimes it's hard on a recruiter perspective to be like, I met them exactly like all of the things that they said at the beginning, like what happened, what changed. Mm. So I think that that sense of, you know, continued transparency is really important too. Have you had anybody negotiate the salary? Yeah. All, all the time, almost probably every offer I've ever given out. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I would say probably upwards of seventy-five percent. So that you'll they'll get you'll give them an offer and they'll be like, "Oh, I want more." Well, I think they say it a little more gracefully. Right, 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 of course. And, it, and it's not always like it's not always met either. You know, I think that's something that 
Um, I was never taught about negotiation when I was in college. It's like, it's not an automatic thing. Um, you know, there's, there's a process. And so I think when it comes to negotiation, honestly, maybe this is a hot take, but like if, if, if you think that you have a reason for it, I always encourage everyone. Sure. I love that. That's not a hot take. That's what, I think is, what I think is really stressful. And again, like this might sound well to you, but these are real conversations I've had is, you know, if I have a conversation with someone who says, oh, well, like my rent in my building is going up. So I'd like an extra 5k. And it's like, that isn't what company salary bands are created around. They're created around a specific set of measurable skills and there's internal equity. And so you have to be prepared to come to the table with, you know, do you, are you bringing a master's degree? Is there, you know, specific awards that you're bringing to the table or you've gotten to work on real clients in school or you had an extra internship, like be prepared to articulate what that is that you think that you deserve mm-hmm. more and wow. be, be prepared that it might not work out. And I think something that I, I also did not value enough when I was in school is kind of understanding total comp. And when I say total comp, what an offer will look like when you get it. I remember to this day, like the first job offer I got, I like didn't even look at it. I like sent it to my dad. I was like, you tell me if this is good. <laughs> like, I don't understand any of these numbers. Please help. Um, and that's okay. I, I talk to junior talent all the time. That's like, I need the weekend. I want to talk to my parents. I'm like, that's great. Like, go ahead, mm-hmm. bring in your resources because this is very new to you. But when you're getting an offer, it's going to include, yes, the salary, but there's other things in there, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's benefits and insurance. 401k and PTO and other perks that you're going to see. You mm-hmm. might see relocation assistance if you're moving. You might see a signing bonus. And so really being able to think through, okay, well, how, well do, how do all these things add together? Mm-hmm. What is my potential for growth here? Do I know that this company does annual reviews? Um, you know, is there the chance for my salary to be reviewed after six months or after a year? Those are really important things to take into consideration outside of just that dollar amount. Because if you think about it, if you're working part-time roles in college, you likely haven't interacted with those things that much before. No, no. (laughs) It's just like, here's how much you're making. Yep. Wait, like perks and benefits were not a thing for me until I got my first full-time role. So yeah, you can negotiate those too, right? Like the benefits yeah. and the, maybe the 401k matching, if, if that's a thing. Um, all those are negotiable, like more PTO. Yeah. I always think about it. And when I give an offer, I, the language I always use is think about these different parts as levers. Yep. Um, and so for me, like if there's a signing bonus in the offer, if there's a relocation assistance offer, if there's a salary in the offer and you ask for something, well, maybe we can't move up on the salary, but here's an extra, you know, amount on your sign, here's an extra amount on your reload. So there is that concept of negotiation when it does come to that total comp too. Right. If you're telling me there's signing bonuses at Barkley, <laughs> we'll be in touch. That, That's awesome. Is that not a thing? Asian I've never heard of a signing bonus in advertising. Wow. Well, dang, I feel cool now. I Damn. think there's also like, you know, there's, there's kind of this different talent landscape right now. Like agencies have to be more competitive than ever because of the pandemic, because you're seeing people that are totally leaving the industry. Mm. You're seeing people that are like the opportunities for creatives and idea people outside of our industry is higher now than it ever has been. Whether it's freelance work, whether it's client side work, like there's people that just spend time with their families and want to like, 
work at their family's farmer's market stand and leave a senior level role in an agency. Like that's the thing I've seen happen. And so, you know, there is really this different sense of being competitive. And I think that's kind of a cool power for talent though. You know, it is a talent driven market right now and maybe I'm giving too much power to talent as a recruiter, but I do think it's cool that like, again, there is this, um, it's almost right. Like it's no longer just companies deciding who is their best and we're bringing them on. It's a two-way courtship. And so it's just as important for the company that you're interviewing with to impress you and to sell you on the process. That's something that we train all of our partners on is no matter what part of the interview process you are, no matter if this person came to Barclay and actively applied, or if we reached out to them, like your job in every interview is to sell Barclay. And, you know, I think that that's a little bit of a different way to think about the interview process than it was five, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, even again, when I graduated, I didn't necessarily feel like that was huge. So yeah. I think that that balance has been a really good change. This is a really healthy, transparent conversation. And I appreciate that. That's my favorite thing. I think, uh, I don't know if it's all recruiters. I know I definitely feel this way about my team, but like you need to be transparent because jobs are a thing. and jobs is a process and I think especially with junior talent and that's one of the reasons that I love working with junior talent so much is there's also this sense of like guide you get to play almost Mm -hmm. like my favorite thing is um I'll tell kind of two stories here like I love talking to people where I'm like you know I, I don't necessarily think that this might be the right path for you but I love this about your background. Have you mm-hmm. thought about this? Like, would you be interested in talking with someone on this team and really helping provide, like, I wouldn't even call it like positive feedback, but again, kind of just being that ally for someone's talent journey. That's what excites that. me about my job. Um, and then getting to, to have that same conversation with candidates too. You know, we had a, a gal that we offered a social media internship to her senior year. Nice. She declined it. Um, she called us back two months later, she's like, Kate, haven't been able to start, stop thinking about Barkley. And I think I realized the reason I declined the role that I'm doing right now in my like student agency is this like content strategist, like social strategist role. Mm-hmm. But what I'm geeking out about, what I'm loving about is the research and like building together a consumer journey and understanding the why of where we're putting our social. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to be in strategy. I know it's probably too late, but could I apply for the strategy internship? And I was like, you know what? Sure, let's do it. Nice. And she did, and she got the internship, and now she's like one of the most loved strategists at Barclay. She's been here two years since her internship. And wow. so I love being able to help, like the same way that Barclay helps spot opportunities for our clients, I like to do that with talent too. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a cool part of the transparency that recruiters have is they want to help you out. I promise. Yeah. yeah. Was there another story you said too? Or, or... Oh, I think, no, just like two points, I guess. Oh, okay. One story. Nice. <laughs> well, this has been really helpful. Is there anything you're, you've been itching that you wanted to mention that you maybe thought about earlier today that we haven't covered? Hmm. Yeah. You know, something I've been thinking about recently, you asked me a really great question before we hopped on the podcast to, you know, share some resources that I love with junior talent. And one of the things, and maybe maybe this was the case when I graduated, but I feel like it isn't, is that there are so many resources now. Um, And I think especially after the last year, I think there's been this shift where 
you know, we're no longer trying to treat this industry as like this guarded and kind of like mad men, like you have to know someone to get in type of thing. Um, and really ideas. And that's been this really cool shift. And I think a large portion of the group that's driving that is Gen Z and like young professionals and recent grads. I think there's kind of this natural altruism within this group that like you want to help each other out and you want to see each other succeed. So take advantage of that. Um, when you're, when you're on the, the first side of trying to find a job, again, reach out to your peers, network, connect, like even within your friend group, support each other on the journey to get jobs. But then once you're on the other side, don't forget to pay it back. You know, share your knowledge and resources, be a mentor, connect with your alma mater. Um, there's a really, really great program I love through We Are Next that I mentioned earlier called Coffee at a Distance, mm-hmm. which is, you know, any industry professional can sign up and junior can reach out to them and, and book 20 minutes on their calendar. Like, do that as a junior. You don't need to be a director to do that. You already have knowledge right away yep. in your career. And so I think being able to, like, remember the, the paths and the things that you're learning on this podcast right now in terms of waste breaking the industry, make sure to help other people do that because something that we need is more people breaking into our industry. If we get the same group of talent pools from the same schools that think the same and create the same and quite honestly, a lot of the times look the same, we are not going to be creating things differently and changing inclusive nature that we need to in our industry so we need to make our industry a lot more welcoming a lot more inviting and something that's easier to get into that you don't have to go to a very specific school mm-hmm. you don't have to go to portfolios become creative you don't have to have an internship in a top agency to get a job like i want to live in a world where all of those don't exist anymore and i think part of that is what we can do by providing back to our network so I guess that's just more of my call to action, if you will. <laughs> I love that. that that's a soundbite for the episode for sure. Love it. Great. All right. Then we'll, um, are you hiring right now? Can people reach out to you? What's the situation there? Oh my God. Yes. Even if I wasn't hiring right now, I want people to reach out to me. Um, yeah. Again, I love talking to people in emails and LinkedIn messages that I get as folks just wanting to reach out and get to know more about Barkley and get to talk to people is one of my favorite things. So please connect with me. I'm Kate Moore on LinkedIn. Um, I'll give you, you have my, yeah, that will be, you'll put it in there. Mm. Um, yeah, we're kind of hiring across the board right now. I think from like a junior perspective, um, we're hiring some folks in our account team. I'm hiring a writer in our Colorado office. We're hiring our social media team. We're hiring an associate resource manager, which is such a fun role. It's like a project management, but like solely within the team understanding like staffing and freelancing and cool stuff like that so i know and the new business pipeline is healthy and moving so i'm sure i'll have a new answer for you in two weeks this will probably be posted in a couple weeks so (laughs) see there we go things will probably be even more different but definitely reach out um again you know would love to connect and chat with barkley so just be a recruiting ally um for and partner for folks too beautiful well, thank you so much for coming on. Please reach out. You've been fantastic. This has been a really splendid episode. So thank you. Again. You're fantastic. Thank you.
thank you all for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's guest. Make sure you go and connect with them on LinkedIn. Tell them that Breaking and Entering sent you. Now, thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio technician, and Buchan Zhang, our creative director, as well as the student team from the Midnight Oil Agency at the University of Illinois. Can't do it without you all. Thank you very much. We will see you all next week with another amazing guest.